Hello and welcome to Matters of Engagement, a podcast exploring the complex world of patient engagement and partnership. This is Jennifer Johannesson. Now, not to worry, Emily Nicholas Engel and I are busy preparing for our next season. But in the meantime, we have a fun episode to share with you. It's the recording of the webinar we did in collaboration with our friends at Pep Talks and Sporecast. It was a live session called Podcasts and Patient Engagement. Our moderator was Paul Ferry from Pep Talks, and the speakers were Bev Pomeroy of Sporecast, Sandra Zielinski, also of Pep Talks, and Emily and me from Matters of Engagement. We each talk about our respective podcast projects, why and how we got started, ideas about sustainability, how we approach our topics, and much more. Now, one word of warning, there are a few substantial dropouts in the recording, maybe half a dozen, and there was just really no way to fix it. So I just cut them out and added a short musical break each time it happens. It sounds like this. When you hear it, assume you're missing around 15 to 40 seconds of dialogue. Hope you enjoy our conversation, and thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be back soon. We'll start off with the the uh, the first of our, our three podcasts here. So uh, I'll invite uh, Bev Pomeroy to talk uh, to talk to us about uh, to talk to us about Sporecast. Great, thanks, Paul. And um, for me, it's good morning. It's nine o'clock here on the West Coast. I'm here in Vancouver. Uh, BC. My name is Bev Pomeroy. For those of you who don't know who I am, uh, I'm a pretty activated patient partner here in BC and throughout the country um, and really spend my time focusing on patient-oriented research. And, uh, you know, I come to my role as a patient partner through uh, a caregiver role of my daughter, Sophia, who um, was born with a, a complex condition and uh, spent about 16 years navigating the healthcare system, uh, both uh, through hospitals, but also community care until she passed away at the age of 16, four years ago. So it really is how I sort of got my jump start into patient oriented research. I really wanted to have an impact and uh, thought this was the best way to do that uh, with the work that I'm doing. So that's just sort of me. I go by pronouns she, they, uh, and a member of the queer community here in BC. So, um, you know, really appreciate everybody being here. Our collaboration uh, really kind of stemmed off of Twitter and a conversation on storytelling uh, and sort of led the three of us to really come together and do a series. And then this panel conversation, just sort of sharing who we are and maybe um, answering some questions and sharing some of the things that we've learned along the way and kind of getting to know sort of our models a little bit better. So I'm with Sporecast and I do have a co-host, Lisa Ridgway. She's taken a bit of a hiatus, so I'm here solo, um, but not to discount Lisa and I started this podcast together, uh, weirdly at Ab Spores conference <laughs> two years ago almost, um, where Sick Boy Podcast was uh, speaking. And so Lisa and I sat there in the evening listening to them and we're really sort of encouraged and moved the fact that these three guys could put together a podcast and have so much success and impact. We thought, oh, we can do that. So within five minutes, um, you know, I was on GoDaddy buying a domain because Lisa said, how about Sporecast? And within about five, 10 minutes, we were off and running uh, and had started the, the initial sort of design of our podcast. And that was almost two years ago. So we launched in the summer of 20, what are we, 2020, I guess, 2019. Um, to a lot of success. So we had a lot of um, feedback on our show. And, and uh, you know, we sort of just kind of ran with that. And, and we really didn't 
we put thought into it and Lisa is sort of the whiz at the pre-production side of things. But really for us uh, starting, starting Sporecast was we wanted to really sort of inspire um, patients and clinicians and researchers and decision makers to really get involved in patient-oriented research uh, so they could create their own impact. It wasn't necessarily about us creating impact. It was really trying to inspire other people to get involved, people who maybe uh, were trepidatious or kind of thought about it or really just to encourage others to, to, to do that and, and to find ways to make patient-oriented research relevant and meaningful in the areas that they're interested in or the areas that they're passionate about. And so we sort of launched with that, with that mentality. And in doing research on podcasting here in Canada, um, you know, it's grown huge and it's, it's grown incrementally in size due to uh, people having uh, smart speakers in their homes, believe it or not. That's what actually has sort of grown, grown the industry of podcasting. Uh, there are nearly 11 million Canadians um, um, here in, in Canada that are listening to podcasts. So it's, it is a huge audience. I think there's a lot of room for a lot of different content. And um, when I talk about these smart speaker owners, it went from 15% to 43% in one year between 2018 and 2019. And so it really kind of spurred Lisa and I to, uh, you know, jumpstart our, our, our podcast, um, you know, with patient-oriented research. And that predominantly is our, our, is our focus. Now, I think one of the things that we were talking about as a group was, um, you know, kind of sharing um, where where we're going with our with our podcast. And at this point in time, I don't have an answer to that question. Uh, you know, just because of um, things that are that are going on here in BC. But um, you know, we're going to keep keep doing our podcasts and keep wanting to inspire people and uh, making a difference and building capacity uh, within patient oriented research. So obviously, we'll have some more questions. Um, uh, you know, from the audience and, and from us that, that you'll learn a little bit more about us. But that's really just our basic model. We're more of a knowledge sort of exchange platform, um, you know, where we have conversations and we introduce ideas and concepts and people and hopefully create relationships along the way. So that's sort of my sort of intro story and, and happy to, to answer any questions as we move along. But I don't know if I, am I handing off to you now, Jen? Or is it Sandra? Yeah, uh, uh, next up will be uh, Jen and Emily to talk about uh, matters of engagement. Sure, thank you. And thanks, Bev, for that uh, outline. Um, so I'll start a little bit about myself and then describe uh, how we kind of came to do matters of engagement. Then I'll hand over to Emily to uh, fill in fill in some other blanks. Um, so I guess, I mean, if you've been following my work for a little while, you'd know that, I shouldn't assume that you have been, but I'll just tell you. So over the years, I have been doing quite a lot of critical writing, talking, presenting on kind of big themes in healthcare, uh, particularly around patient engagement. Um, I've also done some work around uh, patient and family-centered care and, and looking at some of the assumptions that we make about the value of these activities in healthcare and you know what are some of the motivations and who's benefiting and things like that. So thinking about the, the various media that I've explored, you know, I've done presentations and keynotes and book chapters, articles. It even led me to doing um, a master's degree in bioethics. And so I've always had this kind of burning desire, right, to to find different modes and platforms to think about my own experience in healthcare um, as a caregiver to my son. Uh, that's a whole other story, but just assume that I have lots of healthcare experience. Um, 
So when it came to thinking about podcasting, it was this very natural extension to carry on some of that work. And in my professional life, I'm a web developer, I'm a content developer, I do a lot of video production for clients. So this idea of doing audio production and podcasting was really interesting to me personally and professionally. And just thinking that, you know, this could be a way to help give some of the ideas some breathing space, you know, like when you produce something and just put it out in the world, it just sits there like a rock. <laughs> and I don't always know what's going to happen with it. Or sometimes I reflect on it and think, you know, I might have said that differently now, or, you know, I, I evolve as my ideas evolve as I meet new people. Um, so the podcasting format felt like this really interesting way to grow ideas and to build on concepts. And um, Emily and I had met uh, many years ago, kind of in different spheres. And uh, we had been talking very loosely about collaborating on something. And at one point, the idea of podcast came up, and we weren't quite sure how to proceed with it. And that actually quite serendipitously dovetailed with an opportunity with ASU, where they were looking to support a patient-led project I had worked with them on a previous white paper that I had uh, written on behalf of the Patient Partners Working Group for ASU. So it was a natural fit, you know, and when we were exploring ways to work again together, um, I floated the idea of a podcast with them and they, they quite liked the idea. So Emily and I crafted a, <clears throat> a proposal into them and we've been running with it ever since. And so we, uh, you know, the, the branding of it, the focus of it, that kind of evolved uh, over the course of writing the proposal and getting approval from ASU. And our we'll, we'll get into this uh, maybe later in this um, panel, but uh, we contract with ASU where they, they fund what we're just calling loosely seasons. So with every six to eight episodes, we renew our contract with them. And at the moment, in terms of the future direction of, of our podcast, we're just waiting for the next round of um, SPORE funding to come through. And it looks like we will be proceeding with our next season, which is great. So um, I'll pause there. And uh, Emily, if you wanna hop in with where you're at. I'll just um, round out sort of what Jen said there, um, cause I think she gave a nice backstory, but but just to say that um, when I came to this project, as Jen said, we, we sort of knew each other before, but when we discussed the what we were interested in doing, I think the idea was we had been sitting in cafes at times or places. Remember when we could sit in cafes um, and uh, discussed some of these really these tricky issues um, around patient engagement and things that we struggled with. I knew I struggled with as someone who had come fully as many here, I'm sure can sort of relate to from being a patient to this whole idea of I'm going to be engaged to now I'm a patient partner. And now I had come to a place where I had a lot of skepticism about what it had become. And I had all these questions. Um, I sort of had was having a bit of a crease of conscience, I think, working in inpatient engagement and not you know, having these, these conversations um, as much as I would have liked. So Jen and I had been having, you know, ongoing conversations and we thought like where is the forum for this or how could we how could we do this and in a different way and so I think when we started exploring the podcast I remember saying eh, they'll never go for it like or I don't know if it's going to fly but like this would be really cool because it would mean sharing with more people and and thinking through this with a broader audience and and so yeah so just so just to give that sort of aspect of why I definitely was excited about this idea to explore some of the things that I felt like I wasn't 
hearing a lot of conversations about necessarily, um, but in a way that we could sort of broaden um, the group that we were we were talking to or, or hearing from and, and um, discussing with. Uh, yeah, and so I think other than some of the questions that uh, I think we'll get to, we'll we'll sort of round out maybe some of of a description of what what we do. Uh, but just to say just to say, yeah, I was uh, excited about the opportunity to do podcasting in particular, because I, it was a medium I hadn't explored before, even though I had worked in a lot of media um, and uh, and sort of communication, healthcare communication, when I worked with uh, Dr. Mike Evans, doing sort of whiteboards and stuff like that. But this felt like a different and different area to explore. So that was really exciting. So yeah, uh, looking forward to the, to the rest of the questions today. I guess uh, last but but hopefully not least is uh, uh, Sandra and I. So do you want to introduce uh, pep talks for us, Sandra? And then... Sure. So I'll I'll just introduce myself first. So my name is Sandra Zelinsky. I'm the late lead patient research partner for the Alberta Sports Support Unit Patient Engagement Platform. Um, and I have a scroll. I think it would you know a super long list of uh, lived experience. Um, so that's a, like Jen said, a separate story. Um, but really, it's what motivated me and inspires me to do the work that I do, um, which is completely out of the box from where I started. And um, so I've taken the PACER program eight years ago and then have been doing this type of work since, specifically, really focused in the research um, field. And so um, last year, this is a bit of a COVID story for us with Pep Talk. Um, we were in the midst, so the Alberta Sports Support Unit Patient Engagement Platform, um, and also we have what's called the uh, Albertans for Health Research uh, Network. So we were in the midst of planning a patient engagement retreat. Um, and uh, well, COVID happened, we were trying to get there and get through it, but uh, we had to pull the plug at, uh, a week before I think it was, uh, the retreat was supposed to take mm -hmm. place. So we already had all of our speakers booked, um, slide decks submitted, everyone sort of had put all that effort into, um, you know, their presentations and, and, and different sessions, panel discussions and whatnot. We had patient partners that would be joining us from um, across the country as well, Alberta and, um, and other stakeholders. And so we thought, well, what can we do now that we're kind of, you know, going into this virtual space um, where we can still highlight the work that these people were going to share. And so pep talks sort of came from that, where we thought, okay, well, we can start a podcast, we can record virtually, um, edit virtually, do all the things that we need to do um, to be able to share this information, as well as we did some webinars um, early on as well, uh, as a way to share uh, the work that people have been involved in. So I think that was really sort of the, that, um, you know, I don't know, the word catapult to get us going into the podcast um, space was really thinking around that idea of like, how can we share the work that people do? Um, Paul, do you want to add anything that I might have missed? Yeah, no, no, I was, I was actually looking through having to cancel the uh, the event 
which and I mean, just to tell you how how good the timing was, this, this was at the beginning before everything was being canceled. And then genuinely, I think an hour after we officially pulled the plug, the WHO declared a global pandemic and we're like, OK, now we don't feel uh, so bad. So so really like born out of this sort of vaguely uh, emergency uh, situation, we, we saw it was we thought it was, a I think, a great opportunity to highlight a lot of the, the work that goes on from all sorts of different perspectives, primarily in Alberta. So both Sandra and I work directly for the Alberta Sport Patient Engagement Platform, which is one of the teams of the Alberta Sport Spore Support Unit, I guess is one of the, the four teams uh, right now. So, so we do try and use the podcast for some of our other various goals. So our team is meant to uh, connect uh, interested patient research partners and interested academic researchers and clinicians to work together on projects. And, and I would say that we can talk about this a bit more during the questions, I guess, but um, it has been a great way of us highlighting some of that work, even making some of the, uh, some of the connections and um, really just letting people have conversations just about what's going on. And, and it's been used, some of our podcasts have been used sort of as resources for other people like in, in, in uh, coursework or as, as just, just things to listen to, to kind of orient people towards sort of the, the practice of, uh, of patient engagement in health research. And I, and I think, uh, I suppose, so, so Sandra and I, uh, in our roles, I guess, at least in the episodes so far, I've sort of been primarily the, the, the sort of host uh, figure. And I think that was sort of born out of, I just ended up doing it. I don't know if there was a, a major plan around uh, me becoming the host, but it's sort of, uh, I, I have this uh, um, almost pathological willingness just to try new things. And this seemed, uh, this seemed like a new thing, I think, uh, to me on a personal basis. Anything else I missed out, Sandra? Well, I think internally within our team, we just voted that he had the more sexier voice than, oh, yeah, than me. So. Also, 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 also it's, uh, it's my burden. <laughs> so, yeah. Yes. Um, I think that's it though. Okay. Uh, great. So again, I'll, I'll remind uh, people if uh, I, I have some questions that I, I'm going to ask the panelists uh, as well, obviously, but if, if any of you uh, have questions uh be i'll be monitoring be monitoring the chat so but uh, for now I, I will i will kick off with our kind of introductory questions uh for uh for all of the panelists so the first one sort of maybe digging into some of the things that we've talked about engagement which i think is such a fascinating question because i never actually had kind of considered that our podcast would advance the science of patient engagement. Um, you know, Lisa and I uh, really came to this quite innocently thinking, oh, well, you know, we can create a safe space where us as patient partners can have conversations with people of interest or profile projects, um, you know, and, and uh, for us, it was, it was, sort of a modality that that was accessible to us as patient partners you know it wasn't uh, super you know um, didn't cost a lot of money uh, time-wise I mean that's a whole other conversation as you're learning uh, to build a podcast but really you know we never really thought about thought about it as patient engagement believe it or not we were just we just thought oh let's share some stories and meet some people that are doing patient-oriented research and very quickly, you know, we realized that that what we were doing, our conversations really was about this knowledge exchange, um, you know, rather than, um, you know, like a like the, the science behind it. It wasn't really uh, ever our focus um, with the work that we're doing. 
And often our guests, um, you know, we try to hit all sort of four stakeholders that are interested in patient-oriented research. So, you know, we interview patients, we interview clinicians, we interview academic researchers, and a big, big part of what we do is actually um, bring forward the voice, the voices and try to get the voices of leadership within patient-oriented research, knowing that we can work as hard as we want as patient partners to make change, uh, but if leadership doesn't have buy-in, then, you know, it's a bit of a mute point. And so that, that very quickly became, um, you know, sort of our model that, that we wanted to sort of, you know, not really where I see us situated in a way, you know, a lot of, a lot of the work that, um, well, I'll say it this way, this, the space that we try to hold with our podcast is specifically around critique. There is not to necessarily improve things in a particular way. It's more to, you know, observe from a slightly dispassionate distance, maybe try to interpret or witness things that are happening and see how that connects to uh broader social issues, um, specific contexts, you know, so that's kind of the exploration that that we're trying to do. So when we think about, you know, what is it we're bringing to this landscape of patient engagement, what we're trying to do is truly carve out and hold, hold a space for critique it fulfills the mission that we've set out for ourselves. And, uh, you know, sometimes we do minimize or choose choose not to go in certain directions because we know that it's well covered by others you know these are promotional directions or these are kind of enthusiastic directions that other people are holding or or maybe they're more trying to elevate certain types of programs or voices or initiatives within patient engagement and we just think well that's um that's not our space so we tr we don't do that so somebody listening only to our podcast might um you know, wouldn't necessarily get a well-rounded picture of engagement. You'd need to listen to all three podcasts to get a well-rounded picture of different viewpoints. Um, so I'll, I'll pause there. Emily, do you want to add anything to uh, what is it we're bringing to this space? Well, I'll give Sandra or someone else a chance to go, and then I'll round out at the end if it, um, if it comes to it, just so we give, give another platform a chance to talk now. Sure, I'll jump in. Um... So first thing I just want to pick up on, um, you probably heard Bev say knowledge exchange a couple of times and, and between um, the five of us, we actually had a discussion about this and kind of came to this realization without maybe even realizing it um, prior to having these discussions that in fact, you know, sort of forecast has that knowledge exchange kind of feel to it. Matters of engagement has that knowledge translation where you're kind of really picking apart and trying to figure out how to, you know, have those or get people thinking about it, that critical inquiry. Um, and then we sort of thinking about pep talks and more around that um, knowledge mobilization. So I'm going to just kind of come go off of that idea around that mobilization of knowledge because I think that really does is a good description of what we do with pep talks. I know for me personally, um, I see a chasm and especially with the internet of science and then information that you can get. So the public trying to access good information and the scientific community kind of holding that information in, in academic literature, which we really don't have access to. And you even see it in this whole COVID space where people question so many things. So I feel like 
um, with Pep Talks. It's a platform where we provide a space for people to share their work in in a way that is, you know, conversational, um, a way that's easy to understand. So if somebody has done specific research where they've, you know, partnered with patients in research, it's a it's a it's a place where they can share that work and and it's not all in the published literature. So I see it as a as a as a way of um, bringing many perspectives, um, patient research partners or duos. So a patient research partner that is partnering with an academic researcher, academic researchers, um, really whoever has kind of done some of this work in this space, whether it's new or they've been around for quite a while and have done quite a bit of work. Um, I think it's great to sort of get all those different perspectives and ideas and be able to share that with one another. Um, so I think uh, like for our hope with the podcast is really bringing those voices um, and experiences, the work that people do um, to be able to share that. And hopefully we, um, either other people that are listening to our podcast um, to think differently, perhaps, or learn different approaches to patient engagement or patient-oriented research, um, or even think, oh, wow, this is actually really interesting. I think this is something I would like to try out or get involved in. So planting that seed for potentially some individuals as well. Um, Paul or Emily, do you want to jump in? I, I, might, I, might just, I might just add one small point. It's just, it's, it has the additional for us as, a, as the Alberta Spore patient engagement platform. So very much uh, like this intermediary role trying to excite um, interest in patient engagement and, and facilitate it in, in the province. It, provide, it provides us with a really practical kind of library of resources. Like literally we can say, hey, you're interested in this for the first time. Maybe listen to these one or two specific podcasts that we can point out to kind of socialize it around it. So, so I, I, I do feel like a real advantage of it is sort of just sort of normalizing and socializing some of these practices. Because as much as I think a lot of people who um, use patient engagement approaches in, in, in research uh, from, from all perspectives feel like it's sort of normal, there's still a whole world of, of, of health researchers out there who have never even really considered it terribly deeply before. And I think the podcast uh, approach that we take is, is is helpful to, to this sort of audience as well. Um, I, 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 one thing I'll just add that I think has you know come up in our podcast and that I, I feel sort of strongly about in terms of this idea of, of these podcasts, like enhancing the science, uh, if we can call it that, of patient engagement is, is just the amount of doing that happens in patient engagement. And as someone who sort of works in it or has um, worked in patient engagement in terms of trying to facilitate, you know, patient partners and doing the evaluation and doing, it's a lot of, oh, there's a lot of doing with a lot of assumptions, I think at this point, because we did sort of, we created this world of patient engagement out of an underlying concept of needing to hear from people with lived experience or, or patients or however we want to term it. Um, but then it became sort of, okay, now go. And, and so this research project will have to do these things X, Y, Z. And then somewhere along the way, I, not somewhere along the way, excuse me, I didn't feel like there was a lot of space for what we're talking about here, which like for those researchers or for whoever's doing it to stop and think, you know, about some of these um, 
these these muddy issues and some of the things that end up contradicting each other and some of there wasn't there's not a lot of space for that and so if we are to enhance at all the science i think you know in jen and i's case my case the way that i would only see that happening is not so much as like a here we're going to direct you on the science or here's what what can we learn about how to do patient engagement it's that it would create some pause or critical reflection um, on and and sort of taking a step back from just the doing. And I think that's come up for us a few times, even in interviews with people and actually from feedback we've had from others is that that might be something that our podcast has done for them is to say, wow, I just always just did that, but I didn't really necessarily stop and think about it. So if we were to be enhancing it in any way, I mean, I sort of, or, or contributing to it, I would hope that that would be where, and I know that for my own work, in the way I would approach patient engagement, that's what it's it's done for me is stopping and actually questioning um, what I'm doing. So, yeah, I'll just I'll just add. I really liked in our um, I think in our last episode, Emily, one mm -hmm. of the things you said was that uh, this process is really complicating your relationship to it, and I, I really like that a notion. Lot. Yeah. <laughs> no, but um, that was that was the point. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I and and it's part of what we hope would happen for others is that it complicates their relationship to it. So we have a, a great question in the chat that I think I'd like to, to build off for, for our next question for the panel, uh, which is the, the simple and complicated question of, do we have any way to evaluate impacts is a question, a question from Mary and just a reminder to everybody else to put your, your questions in the chat. But so do we, how do we know we're succeeding or, or doing a good job with, with these podcasts? I, I think that's, it's, Again, that's another interesting question around impact. And I think it also is what does impact mean to you, right? As someone who has a podcast, all of us probably have different ideas of what impact is or what we would like to impact along the way. I think for us, we do, I mean, obviously we have statistics. We know who our listeners are. We know what countries they're from. Um, you know, we know how long they listen to our, our particular episodes. We know which episodes uh, garner more listeners than others. So, you know, we, we see themes um, that are going on in our community of patient-oriented research that resonate with people or, um, you know, our particular uh, guests that resonate with people and their personality. So we definitely have like the the, the hard stats of, of who's listening, where they're from, and what they're what they're listening to. So, you know, I think that's like with any digital platform, um, you know, we always have to look at analytics. And that's something we, we all do. Uh, I think with all of our, our podcasts, but when I think about impact, I guess, for me, it's it's um, a lot of different things. So, um, you know, how do I know that we've had an impact? Well, we get a lot of emails from our listeners. Uh, we get a lot of requests. And I think Mary put one in the chat box there too. Uh, yes, we, we, we get a lot of emails and requests from teams uh, to profile or highlight the work that they're doing. So that's how we know um, that we're having impact because people want to come on the podcast and share their, their stories and share their, the work that they're doing. So they, there's, there's this, um, you know, for us, that means, okay, we're, we're gaining traction. We know through, even through our social media, how many impressions uh, we get. So, I mean, there's all those different things, but, but like Mary brought up in the chat, you know, that's how we know we have impact when people are, are reaching out to us and contacting us and saying, oh, I love that podcast. Can we, 
talk about that too, or here's another angle to that, um, to that impact. The other, other piece too, is that uh, often, uh, uh, many times a week, I'm getting emails and requests for support to help other organizations um, set up their podcasts uh, and support and build the capacity of podcasting itself. Um, not just this idea, uh, not, not, I shouldn't say just, but you know, beyond patient-oriented research and patient engagement, supporting other people to create um, podcasts for their organizations, for their particular audience. So again, that's how we measure impact. And the other piece for me around impact really is some of our content. So we, we don't shy away from having difficult conversations and we know there are certain episodes that probably are a little bit prickly for people to listen to, um, you know, and may challenge, uh, you know, some thinking and can be a little bit provocative. And, and you know, I always go back to my conversation with Charlotte Lopi and around trauma and trauma-informed practice, which is a, a big thing for me right now in patient engagement that I think we're missing is trauma and resiliency-informed practice for patient-oriented research. So as, as an idea of impact from that episode, um, you know, we all got interested in, in TRIP, which is what we call it. And as a result, uh, you know, we have developed uh, a two-part workshop for trauma and resiliency-informed uh, practice specifically for researchers and evaluators. So there, there's a tangible, you know, there's there's something, a product or a service that has been created as a result of a topic and a speaker, um, you know, on our show. We, we definitely don't shy away from that. So those are just some things that, that we think um, are impact. And just from a personal perspective, again, because we're not necessarily associated with any organization um, or individual, um, just on a, on, from a personal perspective, it definitely has increased our brand awareness and has absolutely provided opportunities for us to attend events, to speak, uh, to really um, increase our impact and our, and our audience um, along the way. So that's just, the, just when I look at those questions, um, you know, that's sort of my answer to that. Uh, and I'm curious for, for Jen and Emily and Sandra and Paul to, to hear your, your sort of take. Uh, um, yeah, going, San, okay. No, I was going to say, Sandra, you go, you go next, because I think ours is maybe a little bit more anecdotal. <laughs> you, you go ahead and I'll follow you. Well, and Paul might have a totally different perspective or a way of looking at it than, than I do. Um, but so with the work that we do with the platform, a lot of what we're trying to do is to, um, you know, get more people involved in doing this type of work, really. Um, and so uh, for me, my measurement is, is probably, it's a lot smaller. I feel like that, um, you know, if we have somehow one person with lived experience or researcher who listens to the podcast and it shifts their way of thinking or, or shifts like, you know, thinking, oh, this is something I would be interested in getting involved in. I have lived experience. Um, I have a, no a lot of knowledge behind, you know, what I've been through. Um, I feel like even having like that little stone in the lake with the ripple that might happen is an impact to me. So um, I'm not looking at it as, you know, if we have a million followers or retweets or something like that, that if it helps people in their work or it helps people get involved in this work that, um, you know, I, I'm happy even if one episode helps one person do something a little differently than they did before or they got involved in a different way or something along those lines. So 
obviously it'd be nice to have more than just one person listen to one episode. <laughs> but, but the point being that, you know, it's those small changes because those people also go out and then, you know, have impact with the work that they're doing and make changes. So yeah, I'll stop there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't add uh, too much. I mean, I, I, I mean, obviously, as you said, like we, we don't quickly after after releasing most like most of the episodes. So from that perspective, it's already more than more than a great replacement. But like, I think for us, additionally, maybe maybe two things like, is it is it a resource that we can we can share with people when we're helping them with the with the process and practice of, of patient engagement? That's always a success to me. Um, when we do that, and as well, one, one of the sort of processes of that, that, our, that our team is supposed to sort of engage in is is literally engagement. So sometimes, literally, the act of recording an episode is its own success of, of like allowing us to reach out to people who, and this kind of gives us a venue to do that as well. So it sort of has some uh, interesting, unexpected <laughs> um, process implications and, and benefits uh, for us as sort of a a team embedded at, at a university. Yeah. So for us, you know, the question of impact is really complicated because, you know, you know, the, the way I expressed it earlier about holding a space for critique, it's hard to observe that out in the wild that somebody's now thinking critically, you know, that that's, we don't have a feedback loop that allows us into people's brains to see how an episode has landed you know obviously we have statistics we know that with every episode we release there's a little bit more of a base of subscribers a little bit you know listeners um we also know that uh you know people discover our feed all the time and so they might go back and listen to older episodes so our numbers go up but they're listening to older episodes and so it's a it's sort of hard to parse all of that out in terms of um listens or downloads so i i don't pay a whole lot of attention to it um I, although, you know, it's interesting to note which types of episodes are more popular and which ones um, seem to get shared more. So that that's interesting. I would say that if I if I could just reframe it slightly, it's maybe thinking about how would how do we think about success? And so impact would be nice to understand. I, I don't really know. I do have lots of anecdotal stories, you know, people writing to us or connecting with us in some way. Um, and my favorite types of feedback are, you know, I, of course, I love hearing that people have been thinking, you know, have been listening thoughtfully to our episodes, and it's made them rethink. But very occasionally, I get a, a you know, a very um, punctuated <laughs> response where recently somebody who, uh, you know, I think of as sort of unshakable, listened to one of our episodes and said, you know, that one really freaked me out. And I just thought, okay, great. I, you know, we've, we've done something, we've done something cool. Um, so in terms of impact, uh, I, you know, it's a bit of a slow burn and I, I think critique and, you know, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a thing people seek out, you know, people in engagement, I think, who are enthusiastic, not a, people who are looking to improve the space or, um, you know, connect with others, network, do the knowledge uh, translation in a broader sense are not necessarily seeking out critique. And so I think when we find, when our listeners find us or when we connect with our listeners, it's almost by definition of a, a kind of small group. I think we we have a fairly narrow focus and with matters of engagement in particular, we're going to maintain that focus. And so growing numbers is not really our 
point. It's more about expanding our thinking. It's about Emily and I getting more um, nuanced and more, uh, I guess, building, building our themes as we go. And so with every episode, we really reflect on how it felt for us and, you know, whether we, whether we captured what our guests were saying um, respectfully and fully, whether we translated that properly, um, how that leads us to other other topics. So it's a pretty inward journey for the two of us, like, I think in terms of production, and um, I'd be super keen to hear, hear from people at some point, if they have ideas for how to engage in a feedback loop of some kind, you know, and I'm so excited about just seeing all these names, even though I can't see your faces. I, I love knowing that uh, at least some of our listeners might be um, yeah, participating here, because I, I just don't know any other way. Like, I, I know for me listening to podcasts, sometimes I listen to something, and I'm just dying to talk to somebody else about it. But because it's so asynchronous, people just listen to an episode, and you know, they're in the grocery store. And then what do you do? You can't call people, there's no community around, you know, listening community around it. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a question that uh, sits with me quite a lot. Actually, it's a, it's a great segue to, to a comment here from, from Paul, not me, uh, in the chat that I'll just read out. Um, I was taken aback by the emotional impact on me as a patient contributor to health research of the Matters of Engagement series, uh, which accumulated as one episode followed the other. Was that emotional space for impact intended? Um, I'll answer that if I, I, was that emotional space for him? I mean, kind of, yes. I mean, at the beginning, I'll, well, I'll tell you, we had two two seasons so far. The first season, and I think we said this in one of our episodes, Emily, we did a little fireside chat, but we were able to plan that season all at once. So we had done a series of interviews and we kind of looked at all the topics. We'd, we'd scoped out what the themes were going to be for the series, but we weren't quite sure what order they would go in and how they would build. We had many conversations about whether we thought the listeners would be ready for certain episodes <laughs> and uh, or whether we were ready to present certain episodes or to think through some of the concepts. And so we did sequence them in a very particular order so that it felt like you were kind of slipping into the waters a little more slowly and that we could build to particular themes where we felt like we'd maybe built enough trust and exposure and um, interest, you know, to tackle certain things that felt very heavy. And then for season two, um, that came together slightly more organically based on opportunity and who we could interview. And, uh, but, you know, there were times when, you know, we'd have two or three in the queue and we would think very thoughtfully about what order we were going to put them in because we knew that in some ways these were, there, there was a rationale for the sequence we were going to put them in. Um, so yeah, thanks for that question, Paul. Emily, did you want to add to that? Um, well, and then actually, um, I'll, I'll add something, and then maybe we can we can sort of open that up to the other group, to, uh, the other uh, podcasters too, because I think that kind of consideration of emotional impact when this is an area which is interesting, because although we might be talking about sort of health research and we're working with these health research organizations, there is this sense that the the issues we're talking about are. Um, they can be fraught, they can be, we talk about impacts and risk. Um, Bev brought up, you know, trauma-informed practice, and, and we even have to consider with our guests, like what we're asking them to, to discuss and what the impacts of that is. And I, I think 
I know I have literally laid awake at night thinking like, how do we do this in a way that's, you know, thoughtful and critical? Like, I don't want to shy away from asking questions, but also not sort of um, putting onto anyone else, um, not criticizing somebody, especially personally, or, or not recognizing how much emotion for even I know myself as a patient partner previously, or someone who's just the fact that in any way, my personal life is connected to my professional life. It's all intertwined in that way, that there is this other layer of consideration when you're talking about these, these, these topics. And it becomes very, I become somewhat overwhelmed by it sometimes, actually, because it's so complex, how to do it. And I don't think there is one way to do it correctly. So although I think we definitely approached it wanting to have emotion and and consider the emotions and and personal sort of aspects of maybe engagement and the broader engagement world. Um, I think that it's also just been something from not so much like that's what we want to cover in our podcast, but it's also just been something from the approach to our podcast we've we've had to consider. And and I'm glad though that that it does sort of ignite emotions in people because that's um that is something and it, it's it's something in terms of our responsibility too to know um in terms of, of how we cover things. So having that feedback's useful. And I wondered if the other if um the uh, pep talks pep talks and forecast also have like had that, you know, you start out, you interview people, you do, and then the kind of emotional impact or the the sort of more subtle aspects of this this work. Um, definitely, I'd be curious your thoughts. Yeah, I can. Um, I mean, I kind of live with my emotions on my sleeve, you know, you know, talk to my family about that, it could be a good thing or a bad thing. I'm a good Irish girl, that's the red cheeks. Um, you know, so when it comes to patient engagement or our podcast, uh, in some ways, it is it is a platform and a forum to, to speak our truth, right, and to speak our experiences with guests on our show, uh, you know, in a respectful, meaningful, hopefully impactful way where people can learn or maybe they identify with our conversations because our style of podcasting really is a conversation, right? We, we sort of want people to think that we're sitting in their living room having a conversation with them and, and with our guests. And that's sort of the model that we chose to take because that's kind of what, what we want, what we want to do similar to what other people are saying and, Donna's just talked about it in the chat, right? Like you want to have someone to have these conversations with. So we really, with our podcast, use our podcast because we're genuinely curious, um, you know, about the guests that we have on and the topics that we're talking about. So we lean into our own curiosity uh, when we're choosing themes or guests to come on the show. And some uh, resonate more because maybe we've had a personal experience or impact um, you know, with that particular theme or that particular area of patient-oriented research. So we really, so it's, so I think for Lisa and I, you know, I can't speak for Lisa as a whole, but it really is hard for us to sort of separate us as people, as our patient partners, as people engaged in patient-oriented research and our podcast. I kind of think it's just another way that we can communicate our desire uh, to increase uh, patient-oriented research, to inspire other people to get involved with patient-oriented research. But when it comes to the emotional side of things, that actually has, it's an interesting question, that has been uh, probably my soapbox item for the last year when it comes to patient engagement, whether it's through a podcast, whether it's through an event, whether it's through 
uh, engaging with someone in a research project, I don't think we have considered the emotional impact of patient engagement enough. I don't think we have tools and resources that can uh, inform and build capacity of the organizations and the staff, as well as the patients that are being involved in patient engagement. And with the podcast, it is something that we're very mindful of. And, um, you know, this coming year with the different episodes that we're having, that, um, uh, you know, sort of self-compassion piece is definitely going to, going to, sort of be within our podcast itself and to encourage safe space. And again, I'm part of a queer community, um, you know, that, uh, you know, we have not been treated well in healthcare. So, you know, we are a little bit trepidatious. So I'm just really mindful of the emotional impact um, that we can sort of evoke within our different podcasts that we have. But I don't think it's something that we have considered enough. And I think it's something that we need to start ensuring and modeling in the work that we're doing in patient engagement, particularly in patient-oriented research. So I'll get off my soapbox item right now, but it definitely is, you know, something that that's, um, you know, I think about a lot. I'll just say a real quick thing. Um, I think this is a great discussion, really important uh, conversations to have. And the point around having a space to actually talk or feedback um, and talk with one another about it. We, we actually discussed this as part of the planning of, um, of this session where we thought, oh, maybe we'll make it kind of like the podcast journal club. So we bring, you know, our storytelling series to this group and we have that sort of more of like that journal club style conversation. So anyway, it just brought that up because I think it is really important. Um, there's so many topics to dig into and I think um, many of us as patient research partners have really probably walked that line on you know on the fence where you're like are am I in or am I out because I'm not really sure how things are going here I'm really struggling with certain aspects of this work is it meaningful you know you know do I am I really making an impact there's so many questions that come up um, with doing this work and so I think these are really important conversations to have that we can't just ignore. The podcasts are a great space to have one-on-one or, you know, two-on-one or whatever, two-on-two discussions with, um, with people. But yeah, it's, it's a, it it could definitely be brought out to that larger community as well, I think. Um, And I'm sort of building off some of the comments in the chat box of, of that feeling and I know too I've listened to sportcasts and matters of engagement and I'm out for a walk and I just I'm like I want to respond I want to talk to somebody about this and um well they're not listening to the podcast at the same time whoever I'm gonna try to call or um reach out to so so yeah it's I think they're really important discussions to have and I'll just leave it at that I just wanted to add one more thing too about our process um you know, I'm not sure how evident it is in the final product, but like when we release our episodes, but truly Emily and I agonize over some of these questions about, you know, we're, we're calling into question some very deeply held beliefs that people have, and they've put a lot of their time and energy, money, you know, they're, they've, they've invested themselves into a system and a process that, Emily and I are kind of chattering away about, oh, is this thing worth it? <laughs> and, you know, there's, we, 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 
I think sometimes uh, handle it more sensitively than others. But you know, there's there's times when I look at our at our what we're about to release, and I think, are we just leaving people with nothing but criticism and despair? What do we do with this? And how do you know where where do we wrap up this episode? Because we've done something very you know potentially. Um, upsetting, you know, and like I said, like, you know, the, the one person who said that that episode really freaked me out. And I can appreciate that these are difficult, you know, and I, I think about moments I've had listening to podcasts or attending seminars where I think I can't, I can't do this thing anymore, whatever that one thing is, you know, we, so I, I think it's important that we all in, you know, whatever we produce for public consumption has a measure of sensitivity to that. And then, you know, if, if we err on the side of sometimes softening the message a bit too much, then that's fine. I think that's better than alienating people or, or you know, uh, causing damage, which is not really what we want to do at all. Maybe one, one, one final thought that, I, that I'm having about this. So I, I feel like our episodes maybe don't veer into as much of an emotional journey perhaps as, as some of the other podcasts. And I mean, I do spend a lot of time when we're preparing uh, for them, trying to think about how to phrase questions just to make, make people feel comfortable sharing them. But I th it's also, I think the focus of the content is more about kind of the process and practice of patient engagement, which maybe <laughs> doesn't inspire quite as much um, strong emotion in people. And I just ask them like, what project did you do? And, 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 and what, what did you undertake? So, so it might be, it might be that, but I feel like a lot of the, the preparation is actually, we, we do spend quite a bit of time thinking about how to ask uh, questions in a way that will make people feel comfortable asking them. Because I mean, essentially the, the process for recording is part of the context here as well, which is like it, it, half the time it's people I have now met for the first time seven minutes before we've uh, started recording. So like creating a, a, a sort of a, even a, a basic level comfort is, uh, uh, is important just to have the conversation um, go anywhere particularly useful. I just want to add to that, Paul, and just say that creating a, a mutually safe space is just as important online as it is offline. Uh, it may look and feel a little bit different, but they're just as important. Um, oh, no, for sure. Yeah, like it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's uh, just as important. And I feel, uh, maybe just me, feel like it's a little bit harder even. Uh, just, So, so maybe um, a, a next question sort of combines a few things um, from the comments and some of the things that we've talked about before. But what about, so we all have, so we, we do have all these sort of different positions of, you know, what our podcasts are supposed to do and how they're positioned sort of organizationally. Maybe we want to uh, chat briefly about sort of what, what are the future plans uh, for our podcast? How do we plan on uh, sustaining uh, ourselves into the future, uh, and, and uh, what what does the this year and next year look like for us? Uh, I could I could go. So our our model is um, pure capitalism. <laughs> we are I, I'm joking. We but we are well funded, and uh, it allows us to have time to create our episodes. So. Um, ASU funds us for the moment. And we, as I said, we renew it contract by contract and for the foreseeable future, you know, barring anyway, I, I, who knows, but our next, our next season is um, everyone can see me crossing my fingers is going to go through. Um, 
yeah, one thing I want to say about the sustainability part is we've we've kind of set up a model for ourselves where it is essentially required that we be sponsored in some way because of the amount of work we put into it. So I was doing a kind of back of the napkin cal calculation and Emily, I think you and I, between us, we spend easily somewhere between 30 and 45 hours per episode to uh, plan, interview, do the research, and then the scripting. So, and also all the technical uh, configuration of an episode. So it's an immense amount of work. A, a lot of it, um, you know, if we figured out our hourly rate, it would be <laughs> really low. But uh, in terms of what a, you know, a, what, what would a commercial podcast cost to produce, it's certainly a, a good value um, for what we're, we're providing. So where we could uh, work on sustainability and efficiency is maybe in streamlining our process a little bit, trying to figure out how not to, you know, to maybe find um, less expensive resources to do some of the tasks that we need done. Um, you know, we each have our strong suits and our, our skills that we bring to the table. And there are a few things that we maybe don't need to be doing ourselves where we could have somebody else do some of the scheduling, do, you know, so there's pieces around um, when we talk about production sustainability that we could we could work on a little bit. I also think that maybe varying up some of our formats might be helpful. I think, um, you know, there's, we've actually had some of this, some occasional feedback where people might like to hear more long form interviews as opposed to always these edited essays that we produce. So, you know, it, it, that, it's not to say that that's necessary. Well, it's less production, you know, in the long run to hold to host an interview and produce it. So, I mean, there, I could imagine maybe varying up some formats over time um, in terms of uh, trying to be more efficient with how we produce our episodes. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's, I think that's it. I'll jump in next, Bev, just to mix it up and then we'll, we'll put you last this time or, or if Emily or Paul wants, want to jump in too. Um, so our approach has been quite different. Hey, Paul, um, with, I think because of the COVID story, we really like just jumped into the deep end and almost in the flurry of the whole COVID really started. Um, so I did a lot of the background work and logistics of planning and booking and, and connecting with people. Um, and then, and then Paul would do the interviewing. And so we're at a space right now where right now we're, we're playing catch up and we have to do a bunch of editing and then releasing episodes to planning that schedule out. Um, so obviously we're supported by, by the Alberta Spore Support Unit Patient Engagement Platform to do, um, this pep talks, uh, podcast. And, um, and so between Paul and I, we have, we've sort of folded in one other team member to help with some of the editing, which can take quite a bit of time as well. Um, and then just, um, uh, sort of spread out our roles a little bit more. So, um, I might be, you might hear my less sexy voice <laughs> on some of the podcasts, you know, just recording some of the intros just to try to sort of maximize our time um and spread it out evenly between the three three of us that will be taking this on um as we move forward um so the the near future plans are really to get out some episodes we've already recorded um and then look at you know after that you know sort of looking at who are we booking um and what kind of um guests are we going to be looking at 
having and how often are we going to be releasing those podcasts and maybe Paul you might want to add a little bit more to that but um if I'm being totally transparent that's kind of where we sit (laughs) oh no I mean I mean I mean totally true um we 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 were halfway into it before we even planned about what we were going to do I think was was sort of uh, um partially the truth but I would say as like our model for sustainability of the podcast has it has it sort of pros and cons it's like pro like because Sandra and I are literally like like we're we're part of all of our, all of our other things so sometimes the, the resources available i.e time to to do the work um sometimes ebb and flow um uh, for us so it's sort of good sides and bad sides uh, to, to the to the approach i guess that leaves it to me or emily you're gonna no, Bev, why don't you go? I'll, I might I just have a comment right at the end. Um, so Sportcast is completely independent. <laughs> we have um, our sustainability model is coffee and uh, ferry rides between Lisa and I from Vancouver to Victoria. Um, obviously, with COVID, we've flipped everything over to uh, Zoom. Um, so we don't have a formal relationship with any organization or, or group uh, here in BC. It definitely is something when we created a forecast that we had anticipated and obviously want to have collaborations, but um, just didn't for us, it, the timing and different things, it wasn't something that we were able to do. <clears throat> However, um, we do get asked a lot, or I do anyways, to consult and help other people set up their podcasts and, um, you know, it's a fee for service. And then um, some, sometimes we do series, um, you know, for organizations. And again, uh, those are fee-for-service for those series to be on our platform. So it's almost like an advertorial uh, for certain organ- organizations or topics, uh, similarly to a lot of sort of business magazines. So that's sort of our sustainability model. Uh, moving forward, I'm not quite sure. Um, you know, um, Lisa's taken a hiatus, so it's kind of fallen uh, all, on, all on me, gratefully, that, that we can still do this. So I'm, um, you know, looking at ways to do this in a way that's meaningful. And I'm just looking at like Colleen and Lucy's comments in the chat box um, where Colleen is talking about to Jen and Emily about critically discussing key issues, um, you know, and, and uh, we need to talk more about that. And then Lucy talking about um, elements of labor behind engagement projects and funding behind projects. And I think they're, they're two of the same, right? So if we're looking at podcasts or, or patient uh, initiated uh, work, which I think our podcast falls into that lane, um, you know, what is what is a sustainability model? What is the financial model? What does a contract look like with patient partners that are being engaged with particular organizations or academic institutions? Um, I think these are all questions that we don't necessarily have the answers. And I don't think there's any one model that's, that's you know, the all in the end all be all to how, how we move forward with patient engagement or patient initiated projects like this. I, I think there's a lot of discussion that still needs to occur. And of course, the big thing when you're partnering with organizations, and I don't know what Jen, and Emily, and Sandra's sort of perspective is on this, is the editorial. Um, so that is something that we've considered moving forward, um, is we want editorial control over our content, and that often is a barrier for us uh, to create, um, you know, a sustainability model in regards to a contract or or uh, uh, support or sponsorship. Uh, with organizations. So that's another another thing. Like, do we remain independent and have editorial control and do it off the side of our desk? Or do we enter into a relationship, um, you know, with an organization and lose some of that editorial control, if not all of it? 
Um, so those are just some things that that we think about in regards to our podcast. But we're still moving forward and we'll continue doing sportcast as long as it's meaningful and fun and people. You know what, actually, let's let's move on to the, the next component, just because there's only so much time left. And I want to make sure that that if we have another question or anything. Well, I just I just want to follow on one quick thing Bev said, um, just to um, give you hope, Bev, <laughs> it may it may be possible to find an organization that is willing to give you full editorial control. I, f- I mean, full if yeah. I said 100 percent, it might not be a, it might not be fully accurate because Emily and I both. Um, you know, we're aware of where our support comes from. And so we consider that as we develop our episodes, but it has not uh, stifled us in terms of how we editorialize or how we talk about engagement. Um, And we've been frankly, pleasantly surprised that there's been this much um, kind of autonomy in our project. And and it's what we contracted, but whether that was going to play out in reality, we weren't entirely sure. But it's definitely something I came right out of the gate with in terms of ownership of the content, even when sponsorship ends, for example. So the Matters of Engagement podcast is ours to continue as we see fit along with all of the content um, with the first, like however many seasons sponsored by ASU. So that's how we've set it up. So I'd encourage you and anybody else thinking about that balance to, you know, there will be compromise at points, but um, I wouldn't say it's mutually exclusive that you have support and sponsorship from an organization and editorial control. One quick thing, um, just with uh, several of the comments uh, most more recently in the chat box around um, compensation and the power dynamics involved in engagement, uh, I, I think that could be a really great another collaborative planting a seed collaborative series where you know we explore separately um kind of different aspects of of whatever that specific topic so if it's around compensation or around something along that line that can be another type of collaborative series because i think that the the positive and, and this is just my perspective around the storytelling series is that we went off and did our own our own um, episodes, but yet we really came out with with very different um, information, perspectives, conversations that came from those episodes. And it, it's a way to kind of dig in deeper without sort of just doing one epi- episode as a solo podcast, like say podcast doing an episode on you know a specific topic. We can really kind of dig in and and get more information when we collaborate. So I, I, I'm just saying, I love the, the collaborative part and, and sharing, you know, a three part episode series, um, because you just get more out of it, I felt. So anyway, just and maybe that's that where we need a, a, we could have a sponsor who's looking to investigate a certain topic. Like, I have thought about this in terms of models, you know, that there could be, you know, there's a lot of researchers, organizations, people who are looking to explore some of these issues as we see they're resonating with a lot of people here. Um, And I think um, being able to say like, yeah, what if we did look at looking at building some content around that, it would still be sort of have editorial control to, to explore it. But what it would do is if there are areas that people are looking for to kind of to kind of take a deeper dive into or to to do an exploration with, uh, you know, people with different perspectives um, or, or just a different medium. You know, I do think this is an interesting way to kind of 
approach approach kind of maybe research is the wrong word, but like investigation and reflection um, to do something like this. If, if organizations out there were looking to get creative with, with how they, how they investigate and explore these things and involve people in, um, in exploring them and making them accessible to explore. Um, I do think that's, that's part of what, you know, we can offer. So now a word from our sponsor, right? So (laughs) I think, uh, I think that is, but I do think that is, you know, these kind of one-off projects or like sort of pieces can be another way to to look at it instead of just in a series. And, 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 and on that, Emily, oh, like looking, looking yeah. at that, sorry, statistically, podcast listeners um, predominantly listen to the podcast, not just for content, but because they follow the host. So the majority, you know, from, from a, you know, from a research perspective and the podcast data that's out there in Canada is that podcast listeners um, will follow a host more than they'll, than they'll actually follow a topic, believe it or not. So what you're, what you're talking about completely resonates and there's, there's an ad value, you know, to, to hosts and to podcasts that, you know, we don't typically talk about in a healthcare setting because we're a social, we're a social healthcare system. But if we look at social enterprise or social innovation models, um, it would it would be safe to say, Emily, that that model would be very successful for anybody who wants to engage uh, with us uh, collaboratively or not. Yeah. So we are getting to our last ten, ten minutes. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I was wondering two options, if there were any final questions uh, from the audience, and then we can move to sort of, I don't know, any, any final thoughts from uh, the panelists. So so I'll, I'll beseech you if you have any questions to to offer them now. Um, yeah, so, so I, I see a question from, from Amy. Amy, do you wanna, do you wanna ask your question directly or? Oh, okay. Am I allowed to ask my question? Am I on? Please, yeah. Yeah, I have to dig through where I wrote it. Where did I write it? Oh, it was just basically to ask that given what you now know through running these podcasts and inviting a wide variety of uh, speakers onto your podcast, knowing what you know now about patient engagement, what would you say to yourself, say, five or 10 years ago when you first got involved? Uh, I can start. And this is, so I'm kind of, you know, this is partly podcast, but also through my own lived experience of doing this work and my work with the patient engagement platform, because some of the work I do is helping um, research teams bring together, you know, it's come together as a team. So bringing together patient research partners, um, academic research and working together, whether it's forming advisory councils or not. And so I still work very closely with patient partners that are very new, being very new, having no idea really what I was getting into, um, just feeling so out of the box and really not even understanding the value of my lived experience. And so I think it's really that reassurance of that idea that nobody else has that understanding of lived experience unless you've been through it. So yes, um, researchers, clinicians have very important perspective and have a technical expertise, which we value. But if you haven't lived with fill in the blank, it's, it's just, it's a completely different perspective that, that you bring to the table, in my opinion. So that helps to, you know, round out and, um, um, you know, bring those 
those perspectives to the table so that you um, sort of don't leave that behind. And in the end, hopefully research um, and, and the results of research are more meaningful and relevant to the end users. Um, and then also just by way of doing it that way, hopefully to the researchers as well, that they feel that their research is more meaningful in the end. Um, so, yeah, and I don't know if that's, you know, directly related to the podcast, so to speak, where we're really providing a platform for people to share their work. So really, you know, helping to educate, um, bring awareness, share different approaches in patient engagement and patient-oriented research. But really, you know, when it comes to especially patient research partners, it's that value piece, like your lived experience, your journey is really important. And, um, I, you know, I've been around patient partners that even want to compare, like, well, that person has way, they've gone through so much more than what I've gone through. And it's like, yeah, but that this isn't a competition. You, your lived experience is just as valuable as anyone else's. And that's why we bring, you know, many voices to the table. Um, so that's, that would be my thing is just to how, so the advice would be to be patient. There's a huge learning curve um you'll get there you'll sort of get to know the project it takes time um and you know as you move through it it, it will make more sense um I'll, I'll answer next and it's uh, you know maybe on a slightly different register than something practical and it's it's that you know as we've carried on with this podcast it's it's become clearer just how much appetite there is for critical discussion in this space at this point and i mean i don't know if it would have been there 20 years ago when I was more of an engaged patient at the time, but some of those uneasy feelings that I had 20 years ago, I'm seeing now are, you know, people are very keen to talk about it and surface it and, and question things. And so I think, uh, you know, as a, as a younger, active, engaged patient, <laughs> you know, giving voice to some of those concerns I had at the time, maybe would have served me well. Um, and uh, I would also say that I've you know, I, I still see now, even amongst people, even amongst the criti more critical discussions, there's still a layer of what I still call ideology. You know, there are assumptions about what is good, what is right. You know, it's like a collection of ideals that all make coherent sense that don't necessarily get probed or questioned. And so when we speak to, to a wide variety of people, even when there's an earnest interest in trying to you know, get to the meaty stuff, there's still lots of layers of language and terminology and vocabulary that don't quite, um, yeah, they don't sit quite right with me. So anyway, I would say that, you know, if, if you have concerns, speak them, you know, bring them forward and uh, get people to really say what they mean, because there's a lot of lingo and language and shorthand in this space, as, as there are in every space, you know, and so, um, that's that's what I would that's what I would say. I think I think for for me, like I've been a patient partner before we were even called patient partners for twenty plus years, um, in particular in the pediatric space for for many many years. And I think for me, Amy, things have changed. When I first started doing what I was doing in regards to pediatric uh, support and, and patient partnering, you know, I was an ally. And then as I evolved in my journey and my experience of being a patient partner, I then became an advocate right? Started helping other people, advocating for my daughter, advocating for change in healthcare delivery services and community healthcare. But 20 years later, um, 
you know, I, I now consider myself a steward where I'm now creating an environment for patient engagement, an environment for um, learning about patient engagement, environment for patient-oriented research where we can be successful, but it's about stewarding this environment for, and I see the podcast as that stewardship and the podcast is creating an environment for stewarding you know, that, that capacity building and stewarding those ideas and stewarding these new thought process and stewarding controversy and stewarding, you know, um, what our assumptions are, all those different, all those different things. So that's kind of where I'm at. And, and maybe had I gone back 20 years and said, you know, like, you'd have a lot more gray hair and, uh, you know, like you'd be frustrated, but at the same time, um, understanding, appreciating the evolution of being a patient partner in our own journey to impact, um, you know, and just know that we all have our own journey to impact and it looks different for everybody. And I would not have anticipated I would be here where I am today uh, if you'd asked me 20 years ago, like in no way, shape or, or you know, in any way. I'll just, um, I'll, I'll try to do a quick one because we only have a couple of minutes, but I do want to say that having started this in, world of, in the world of engagement as a very keen, as a keener, I'll say, with wearing with all the toots and whistles, and yeah, we're at the conference, and we're going to ask, um, and then really come through a process, which was quite to go back to something emotional, to start to think about like, wait, maybe this isn't actually all about just making it better for the world and and roses and kittens and things, and and looking more critically and starting to look more critically at underlying structures, which I suppose is just maturing. Um, but I would say to myself at the beginning, like, talk to more people who disagree with you. It seems so simple. But I do think that because um, it was the idea of engagement and, and having people's perspective who have lived through um, disease or health issues was so logical to me to include in healthcare that then I didn't question the fact that there are implications outside of just that logic for therefore putting people with lived experience collaboratively in with institutions and just doing it. Like there was a few steps in between and I don't think I questioned the logic that this underlying logic, which I felt made sense. And then the application of the way that things were being done. There was a missing piece in there of, for me, where I didn't sort of question how we were doing it. I think I just, took the underlying concept and sort of ran with it. Um, and so I think I would like to go back and, and surround myself a little bit more with people who maybe were questioning it along the way so that now in retrospect, um, I do feel like I end up questioning some of the decisions I made because, um, because I wasn't questioning it earlier, um, early enough. Um, but that's part of why this is such a pleasurable and, and uh, in and enriching experience to do this podcast is now I feel like I'm, I'm sort of starting to have conversations that I never had early on. This episode features Bev Pomeroy, Sandra Zielinski, Paul Ferry, Emily Nicholas Engel, and me, Jennifer Johannesson. We'll be back soon with another season of Matters of Engagement.